Hi, travelers. You can listen to us on your travels on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and more. Go ahead and check out the description of this episode so you can find the link to our link tree, get access to all of our socials, as well as our YouTube channel so you can watch all of our episodes in full. Okay, today is Tuesday, November 21st. Awesome show today, guys. We got Marla Rodenauer from Cleveland Magazine, uh, freelance writer for Cleveland Magazine, going to break down the Browns' uh, season ahead, season they've had so far. Deshaun Watson out, defense still rolling, and the Cavaliers just tipped off 10 games about, you know, 10, 11, 12 games into the season, break down their season ahead as well. Awesome interview with her, recurring guest, third time on the show now, always fun to have her. We have a great conversation coming up. I do want to break into Monday Night Football first, guys. Um, let's talk about the Eagles, Chiefs. Uh, good game overall. Eagles do go in to Kansas City, come away with a win against their Super Bowl foes from last season. I don't really have much else to take away from this game, though, guys, except the fact that Kansas City cannot catch a ball. Yeah, this wide receivers just cannot catch. I mean, Travis Kelsey is the only uh, pretty much wide receiver, not wide receiver, tight end that can catch the ball, and he fumbled in the red zone for the Chiefs yep. last night. And uh, so the what a win for the Eagles, obviously. They were down by 10 at the half, and they shut them out in the second half. And for the Eagles, that is a statement win. That is a statement win that really puts them at the top of the NFL. They have a heart of a champion the way they're coming back and winning all these games and mm-hmm. not just not just coming back but winning close games winning games down to the wire i mean this was just this was just a, a, a big performance by the eagles to really cement themselves in the nfc it wasn't was it the best game for jalen hurts no but mm-hmm. he had a big throw to devonte smith he had two rushing touchdowns in the red zone he only turned the ball over once, uh, which I thought whoever turns the ball over first was going to lose the game. And I thought that was the case for the Eagles. But the Chiefs uh, lost the turnover battle. Mahomes threw an interception. I believe there was two yeah. other fumbles or one other fumble, obviously, they had. Travis Kelsey fumbled in the red zone. And what a game yep. by the Eagles. What a game in general. And I think the Philadelphia Eagles have cemented themselves as the best team in the NFL. This team has what it takes to go back to the Super Bowl and potentially win it. Yeah, if you would have said before the game that Jalen Hurts would throw for 150 yards and no touchdowns and that A.J. Brown would have one catch, you would have thought, okay, well, the Chiefs won this game by two touchdowns. And maybe they should have because they got a couple of red zone possessions that they didn't score on. And the whole game, really, up until the fourth quarter, it felt like the Chiefs were dominating this game, and yet the Eagles were hanging around, hanging around. And that's what makes this Eagles team so good. You know, Swift broke Kelsey's heart in a way. DeAndre had 76 yards and a touchdown. Uh, The Eagles were the more physical team. And ultimately, though, you can't write the story of this game without saying that Marquez Valdez-Scantling was shaving points because he dropped that touchdown pass. Patrick Mahomes did everything he could possibly do. The 4th and 25 even threw a perfect pass to Justin Watson. He didn't catch it. That is a big problem for a team that, you know, when they ran the ball really well in this game, which I think was the most surprising aspect of this game. The Eagles are usually very good against the run. The Chiefs are not a team known for running the ball, and yet they ran the ball down Philadelphia's throat throughout this game. And the fact that the Eagles are able to win this game, I thought, 
really shows that they're the best team in football. They're nine and one. And even with the difficult schedule coming up, I mean, they've got to play Buffalo. They got to play the Cowboys. This is still a team that is the favorite, I think, to win the Super Bowl. And this isn't about revenge. This is just a big time win in Arrowhead. And the fact of the matter is Kansas City. Now you got something to think about. They're not the number one seed now. What a great win this was for the Eagles. Yeah, the last time a NFC opponent that lost in the NFC team that lost in the Super Bowl went back to the Super Bowl was 19, I think, 74 when the Vikings did it. So that's obviously not good for Philadelphia's favor. Uh, You know, 50 years of time and history kind of going against them there, but still very good win. Uh, Would love to see these teams back in the Super Bowl again. Uh, you know, it's tied up 1-1 now in, you know, recent history. So we'll see what kind of happens. But great win, uh, especially considering the bad weather that they had in Arrowhead uh, on Monday night, last night. Have to start with the devastating news of Jordan Travis out for the season with that devastating leg injury. This news absolutely sucks, especially in light of the college football playoff rankings that will be coming out tonight. I want to get your thoughts, Zach, on the rest of the season for FSU going forward. I'm talking to Bob Ferrante right now, radio announcer for FSU, for the Seminoles. Going to try to have him on Thursday's show, break it all down for us. But let's do it right now. Let's give our initial knee-jerk reactions to this news, Zach. What do you think about this team going forward, like I said, especially in light of these updated college football playoff rankings coming out tonight? I don't think it's clear cut that they'll be out of the rankings because if this team goes undefeated, I still think they're going to make the playoff because there is precedent for this. We've seen Ohio State in 2014 lose both their starting quarterbacks during the season, Braxton Miller and JT Barrett, and they were on their third quarterback, Cardell Jones. They made the playoff, and we all know what happened from there. So it's not necessarily inevitable that Florida State's going to be out of the playoff. I think they're probably not going to be in the top four this week because Washington won a road game at Oregon State, if nothing else, and Florida State beat North Alabama. So I think they probably will be in the top they won't be in the top four, but there's no doubt this just sucks for college football fans everywhere because Jordan Travis, one of the most exciting players in all of college football, and that injury was absolutely gruesome. People, if you haven't looked it up, don't. It's it's bad. And Jordan Travis was a Heisman Trophy contender, one of the most exciting players in all of college football, and certainly to lose him, I think probably takes Florida State out of the running as far as winning the national title. Maybe they can sneak in the playoff, but I don't think this is a national title team without Jordan Travis because this is a team that – you know, outside of him, they're good, but they haven't necessarily been elite. He was the kind of guy that could take a good program and get him over the top, and unfortunately he's not going to be able to do that now. But, yeah, it's just a devastating blow for Florida State. So you have um, you have faith in Roadmaker, though? Very few snaps entering uh, this past weekend. Only 233 snaps entering Saturday. He was 43 for 70, 550 with five touchdowns and five interceptions. Only start that he had was, against, was a loss against an FS. S team in uh, Jacksonville State, I believe it was. He did come back. I know he did come into a game uh, last year and beat Louisville when he did come in late into the game. But his only start, of course, is that loss against the FS, uh, FSS team. And like I said, very few tape on him in general. Not even nearly close to a runner as J- uh, as Jordan was. Only 19 carries for seven yards. So I mean, what do you? So you actually believe Roadmaker might be able to uh, surprise some people and get get it done for FSU? I mean, I, I definitely think they can this week because they're going on the road at Florida. I know it's a tough atmosphere, but Florida's 5-6. and six. It's not a particularly good team. And I think he's got enough talent around him, like Keon Coleman. Uh, you, they've got a great running game in Trey Benson. I think they're going to rely on the other pieces this week. I think Florida State beats Florida. My question is, can he beat Louisville in the ACC championship game with the way Louisville's playing right now, especially yeah. on the defensive side of the ball? That's 
more of an uncertainty for me. I think he's going to be able to handle Florida. We'll see what happens next week. But they're going to have to rely on other pieces. Now, the Florida State defense, led by Jared Burse, is going to have to step up. That defensive line is going to have to get pressure on the quarterback. But they've been pretty good on that side of the ball all year. You're not an undefeated team this late in the season just because you have a great quarterback. So I think Florida State needs to rely on their other weapons around them. I still think this can be a playoff team. Like I said, I don't know if this is a team that can win a national title, but I think this can still be a playoff team. Yeah, beat Louisville before, like I said. I mean, of course, he came in late in that game. But, yeah, it doesn't take care of the ball either as well as Jordan does. Like I said, he does have five interceptions uh, with his uh, you know short tape that he has. Uh, Jordan only had three, only have had two so far in the season, and the whole team only have had five overall in the season. So that's something that FSG will definitely have to keep going as the season goes along for them to have any chance to make the college football playoffs. Let's go to NFL Week 11 recap. We'll start with the closest game of the week like we always do. Zach, we'll start with you. What was your closest game of this past week? What a great Sunday night game we had between the Broncos and the Vikings. That was a phenomenal game. Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, I think a lot of people owe them an apology after starting the year one and five. They've won four straight. Cortland Sutton with the winning touchdown. That was the classic, no, 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 great throw, Russell, because Cortland Sutton went up and got it. It looked like it was going to get intercepted. But, you know, this is a game where Alexander Madison ran for 81 yards. Ty Chandler ran for 73. So the Vikings really dominated on the ground. But the Broncos were able to force them into field goals. And on a day where they did not run the ball, Javante Williams only had 30. 37 yards. It was Russell Wilson that got the job done. And the Broncos are now a playoff contending team. And no one would have thought that would have been the case early in the year, but they've won back-to-back primetime games now against the Bills and against the Vikings to put them back in the mix. This was the closest game of week of uh, this, uh, this last week in the NFL. Yeah, no, I'll get to them a little bit later in my outtake. Spoiler alert, mostly people just saying that they were out of the playoff contention. But no, they um they needed this win uh big time this, you know, on Sunday night because if they lost, they would have been, I think, eleven percent chance to make the playoffs. And now with that win, they're like twenty-five or like twenty-six, twenty-seven, something like that. So definitely needed the win to have any chance to continue on that playoff uh, you know, playoff drive that they've had. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Seahawks Rams as my closest game of the week. Matthew Stafford played really uh, he played pretty well, actually. I mean, 100th career start, two late scoring drives to lead the Rams up past the Seahawks this past weekend. Defense for the Rams kept the Seahawks out of the end zone for the last three-fourths of the game. Puka Nakua stepped it up with Cup's injury. Cup, of course, did went, go down in that game with that bad ankle injury. We'll keep, you know, we'll keep you in touch on what happens with him, what the status with him is, and how he'll be returning to the game later. Puka Nakua, big explosive plays. One touchdown, 70 yards. Seahawks, on the other hand, I mean, the bench Geno chants definitely were quiet on Sunday uh, when Geno went down. Drew Locke had to come in for Geno's absence. Drew Locke played absolutely terrible. So people will not be clamoring for uh, Geno Smith to be benched anytime soon because they clearly, 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 clearly really, really need him to have any chance to win games because Drew Locke just looked absolutely anemic out there. He looked terrible. Seahawks, though, my only other takeaway from this game Penalties and their discipline continue to be a huge problem for the team. 12 penalties for 130 yards on the game for the Seahawks. That obviously was a big problem as well. Rams, with this win, actually kept their playoff chances alive. So we'll have to see what happens going down the stretch. Moving on, Zach, what was your most intriguing storyline for this past weekend? Most intriguing storyline... The Chargers, it's over for them. They're done. Brandon Staley is going to be out of a job, and he's questioning the media, saying, oh, you let me coach defense, okay? Well, you know what happened? You coached defense at the end of the game, and Romeo Dobbs and Jordan Love went down and beat you in the final minutes of that game. That's a game, if you're the Chargers, you have to win on the road, and now they're pretty much out of this at four and six. They're done as far as the playoffs are concerned. And the Packers, you know, Jordan Love showed a little bit of something. 
you know, we've been waiting for him to come up big in a big moment. You know, he's had a couple of spots against the Raiders and the Broncos where he threw interceptions. He came through this time around. And once again, the Chargers lose another close game. How many times have they done this in the Justin Herbert era? And by the way, Justin Herbert, anybody who blames him for this, go back and watch the game because Quentin Johnson had a touchdown right in his hands and he just didn't track the ball and he dropped it. It was just a poor uh, effort out of him. And he has not really lived up to the hype as a first round draft pick. Justin Herbert did everything he could there and his team let him down. And that's kind of been a recurring theme throughout his entire career. Good on Jordan Love, but man, if you're the Chargers, this one stings. Chargers since drafting Herbert, uh, I think it was going into Sunday. So not merely, I don't think these stats are updated after Sunday's game, but going into Sunday, since Herbert entered the league, the team ranks fourth in points scored at 1,502. And points allowed all time is also was also 1502 and the Chargers are also 29 and 30 in that span as well so anyone that saw the game anyone that was watching the broadcast also saw that infographic but so so perfectly Chargers and they just can't seem to get together and Brandon Staley as we'll get to probably even as the show goes on as well he is probably the he's out of all the coaches on the hot seat he has the hottest seat right now out of all of them for sure my most intriguing storylines can the Browns be legit contenders in the AFC North? You know, Baltimore, a really good team, obviously. Consistency problems, though, from them. Burrow is out now for the Bengals. Steelers' offense is absolutely terrible. We saw, you know, this past Sunday. We, won't, we might get to them a little bit later, too. But Dorian Thompson-Robinson, uh, he can do just enough to get this Browns team some wins. I mean, the Browns still is the best defense in the league. They allow the lowest yards uh, per game with uh, 243 least passing yards per game at 143 and the third fewest rushing yards as well as at 142 a game. So if, if um, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson can do just enough to get this team, uh, to get this com- offense competent and down the field, the defense will be able to take, uh, take the game away and take the game further that they need to be four consecutive completions to set up the game winning field goal drive by Dorian Thompson Robinson at the very end have beaten two straight AFC North opponents in two straight weeks. That is very, very hard to do. Uh, I think that Browns can definitely, you know, if Thompson Robinson continue to be a, a game manager and continue just to do just enough to get the Browns defense, uh, you know, keep the Browns defense off the field and get some points on the board for Cleveland, I think this team could actually have a chance to to make some noise in the playoffs. Surprise of the week, Zach. What was your surprise of the week? Not a big weekend as far as surprises yeah. are concerned, but I, I'm going to say the Rams beating the Seahawks was the surprise of the week. I mean, the Rams, this team's probably out of the playoff mix at this point. Matthew Stafford's been up and down. Geno Smith and the Seahawks have been playing good football, and they were kind of maybe looking ahead to that big Thanksgiving night matchup against San Francisco. And the fact that they were up nine in the middle of the third quarter and let it slip away, I think, was a big disappointment for Seattle. For the Rams, they're still kind of in the mix as far as the wild card is concerned. And in a week that we just didn't have a whole lot of upsets, I guess the other one would be the Giants and the Commanders, the way that Tommy DeVito played, throwing three touchdowns and looking like a confident quarterback. But I would say those are probably the two surprises of the week. I'm going to go with Packers over Chargers. I know we already kind of talked about it already, but Packers, uh, probably the worst team in the league. And I, um, Brandon Staley should have been fired last year's, after last year's wildcard game against the Jaguars when he lost a 27-7 to lead at halftime. Uh, defense should be his calling card, and it's definitely not been his calling card by any stretch of the matter. Defense has been really, really bad for the Chargers. Uh, it's not on Justin Herbert, like you said, Zach. Teams having really, really bad drops uh, all season all season long, and especially this game. Keenan Allen, he drops a really, really bad pass on that third down, third and goal line, like you said, Zach. Quentin Johnson could have had the game-winning uh 
catch for the Chargers as well. Tight end Stone Smart, Donald Parham. They've also had a fair share of drops this season and this game as well. Austin Eckler had a bad fumble this game. The defense is a majorly underperforming. Like I said, Brandon Staley should be a defensive coach. His team is actually playing very, his defense is playing very, very bad. Chargers allow 5.9 points per game. That's third most in the NFL. Points per play, excuse me. And then they also add, allow 24 points per game, which is the ninth most in the NFL. It's pretty bad for the Chargers right now. They might not even make the playoffs. And uh, Brandon Staley, totally living down the expectations. And we like, I'll get the more on him later. The last place Chargers now. You believe it? Yeah, they're now last in the division behind both the Raiders and the Broncos. Zach, what was your shootout of the week? Uh, how about the Lions and the Bears? This is maybe the most surprising game of the day. How about the Bears? Justin Fields looking pretty good. DJ Moore had a long touchdown. The Bears had a 26-14 lead deep into the fourth quarter, and they let it get away. And again, we just continue to get reminded this is a different Detroit Lions team because they, these are the games that the Lions always mm-hmm. lost in years past where they would play well and then blow it at the end. And the fact that they never really got down themselves, Jared Goff threw three interceptions, but – when they drove down the field, there really wasn't a doubt in anybody's mind that they were actually going to win the game. And that is a different feel about the Detroit Lions than what we've had in years past. So, you know, the fact that this team's able to come back and win, combine 57 points, very impressive showing uh, from the Lions. And this is no doubt the shootout of the week. And a week that really didn't have a ton of offense, this is the one that had the most offense of the week. Was this the best com- comeback in Lions history? Do you think one of the best comebacks? Uh, I don't know about yeah. ever, but certainly... I mean, Lions history goes back a long way. So maybe not ever, but in recent memory, yeah. But you could probably say it was the worst game for Jared Goff, though, as a, as a Lions yeah. QB. I would yep. say that. I mean, for, uh, four turnovers. This is also my clip shootout of the week as well. But four turnovers, you know, for Jared Goff this game. Uh, he left the Lions 26-14 to 14 with only four minutes left in the game. Um, Bears pretty much had time of possession the entire first three quarters. Goff had three interceptions. Like I said, the team had four turnovers altogether. One of the interceptions was on him. Well, was not on him, but two were actually absolutely inexcusable. He almost had two more bad interceptions as well on top of that. But um, this is a guy that, I mean, Jared Goff was a guy that was taking care of the ball so well all season long and in last season. And then over these last like three, four games here, he's been having some really bad turnover problems and uh, interceptions issues. But Overall, still got the game done. Let the amazing comeback. I think when there was only like four, you know, when they when they first started their drive with like four, four eighteen left, whatever that was, I think they only had like a one point eight percent chance to win the game. So this is definitely a game that Lions would lose in the past. So it's obviously super, super impressive by the Lions. Like you said, Zach, uh, for the first time ever, it actually seems like it actually seems like Lions have confidence when they have the ball late in their game, and that's something that never ever has been yep. the case for the Lions fans. Lions are now 8-2 and two for the first time in Super Bowl era. Um, yeah. uh, Fields played pretty well. My other part of this, if, I don't know if we'll get to this later or not, but Fields did actually play really, really well. I'll actually get to him more on, um, you know, later down the line in the show. But Fields coming back from that hand, hand injury, despite the uh, Bears' loss, Fields did actually come out and play pretty well for, the, for, the, for Chicago as well. Snoozer of the week, Zach. What was your snoozer of the week? Bills Jets. This was never a game from the beginning. This is a get right game for Buffalo. I mean, they settled for some field goals early, but once they got into rhythm, they were fine. Josh Allen played a good game, didn't turn the ball over for once, and the Jets can't move the ball across the street. I mean, Zach Wilson, yep. it's just getting bad. He got benched for Tim Boyle late in that game. The Jets, we don't know what they're going to do at quarterback when they go against the Dolphins on Black Friday, but 
it, it's not, probably not going to be pr- a pretty sight up at MetLife. And yep. for the Bills, this is one they had to have because they're going to Philadelphia next week. So six and five, still kind of in the mix. Tough schedule ahead of them, but this is a game they had to have, and there was never a doubt from the beginning that they were going to get it. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Titans-Jaguars. Uh, Jacksonville, home woes, might be over. Lost three of the last four, but Jacksonville uh, was able to get the win on Sunday. Titans are just terrible at home, or on the road, excuse me. 0-6 this year, ninth straight road loss going into last year as well. Never scored more than 16 points on the road this year. For the Titans to score this game on Sunday, it took two trick plays for them to even get on the board in general. Game shouldn't even have been as lopsided as it was. It should have been more lopsided than it was, excuse me. Jacksonville settled for two uh, red zone field goals because they simply could. Will Levis was running the Nashville Marathon. It seemed like every single snap. Offensive line, it's terrible. Can't believe he was only sacked twice. Like I said, he was running around. Looks like he was scrambling the entire, entire game. Calvin Ridley found the end zone twice for the first time for the Jaguars. MVP of this game. Doubling TD total for the year. Now with four. Only had two going into that game. Lawrence had the fourth best passer rating of his career in this game as well. So everything felt extremely well executed for the Jaguars. As as I said said earlier, Lawrence... uh, he had some really, really clean passes. Offense in general was just playing really, really cleanly. It looked really, really um, nice and executed. Ravel now 14-17 and 17 in his last 31 games. Do you think Ravel will be a Patriot next year, Zach? What are your thoughts on Ravel and where he might go after this year? Uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I don't think he's going to yeah. be in New England because I'm still not sure Belichick's getting fired or anything like that. Belichick has won six Super Bowls. He's earned the right to leave whenever he wants. Uh, yep. I think Vrabel's going to get another coaching job somewhere if the Titans let him go, which at this point is probably more likely than not. Yeah. What are the games that we missed? I don't think we touched base on the Cardinals-Texans. Kyler Murray played pretty well. That's all I yep. really have to say about that one. I mean, he played really well coming back from his injury. Um, CJ Stroud, still very good. I mean, now yep. he did struggle a little bit. He threw three interceptions after taking a hard hit. Wasn't quite the same guy, but, I mean, he's still a candidate for – MVP and how about the Texan running game Devin Singletary 112 yards and they finally get something out of that and you could argue CJ Stroud is the MVP you could also argue Tank Dell for offensive rookie of the year that's how well that combinations work yeah how about the uh, Cowboys uh, uh, Raiders Dolphins excuse me uh closer game than we thought I mean I thought I I said it would be close on Saturday's yeah. show I thought it'd be a close game were you were you surprised it actually ended up being as close as it was though a little bit, yeah, because, I mean, you got the Dolphins, what they've done against lesser opponents all year, they just bury them, and they didn't do that this time around. They struggled a little bit, but, I mean, Devon A-Chain got hurt early, Tyreek Hill was banged up, uh, Jalen Waddle never really became much of a factor. So, a little bit surprising, especially considering that Aiden O'Connell threw three interceptions, including the yeah. game ender to Jalen Ramsey. I was a little bit surprised it's a close game, but the Raiders have been playing pretty decent football with Antonio Pierce as their head coach, so maybe it shouldn't be all that much of a surprise. Yeah, um, I'm trying to look up what their chances of making the playoffs now, the Raiders. I mean, they can't. it can't be that far it's away. It's not but... great. They're playing the Chiefs next week, so they're probably going to lose that and go to 5-7. and seven. Uh, Their remaining schedule is Chiefs, Vikings, Chargers, at Chiefs on Christmas, at Colts, Broncos. Yeah, I don't think this team's making the playoffs. 1040 plus 1040 <laughs> after yeah. this weekend yeah it's still a little bit a little bit away yeah i think we got everything else i mean giants commanders i don't know what we have to really say about that giants defense no. played really well um surprisingly they won this game devito actually played really really well too commanders 
I'll actually get more to that even later, but I'll get more to that more down the line in the show as well. Let's touch on uh, Brock Purdy, 21-25, 333 yards, three touchdowns, yeah. maybe the best performance of his career against Tampa Bay, and that's the version of Brock Purdy. If we get that, the 49ers can beat anybody. Perfect passer rating, 158.3 his passer rating. It was like completely perfect. He couldn't have, you know, only, tw- I think it was like 21 for 25, right? Only had four drop passes, only only fall at the ground four times. Yep. He played absolutely amazing. So yeah, no, it's um he needed that too because he was having a lot of a lot of doubters, especially with his offense being a little bit hurt. He was having a lot of people doubting him. So he he needed that game, shut some people up, get a good win. Uh, Vikings, Broncos, and Seahawks, Rams. Yeah, we we touched on that too. So new week's resolutions. Let's move on to new week's resolutions. Zach, what was your new new week's resolutions over this past weekend? Uh new week's resolutions. I'm gonna say, hmm. I'm going to say that we need better scheduling up for Thanksgiving games. Like, this year it turned out okay. I mean, Green Bay versus Detroit, not a bad matchup, even though the Packers aren't very good. You still get the Lions on Thanksgiving. Bad, <laughs> yeah, role reversal. Um, Cowboys, Commanders, I would have liked to see Dallas play somebody better on Thanksgiving. The Commanders probably yeah. won't put up much of a fight. But I do really like the 49ers and the Seahawks matchup. That could be for mm-hmm. first place in the NFC West. I think that's a very good game. But it's never great that, that we have the primetime game as the biggest game of Thanksgiving weekend because typically the highest-rated game of the NFL regular season is the Cowboys 430 game. So I think we could do a little bit better with Thanksgiving scheduling down the road. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, – speaking of commanders, I'm going to go with the commanders. Uh, touched base on it earlier. Commanders have officially – they have to officially get rid of Ron Rivera. Uh, lost seven of his last nine. They're 1-4 at home this year. They lost twice to the Giants and once to the Bears this year. They have, Those teams have a combined win total of six after this weekend. Allowed DeVito this past weekend to have 246 passing yards and three touchdowns. New ownership in Washington, but there's no signs that they will change anything this year with Rivera. But it is time for a fresh start after next year You know, in this offseason. Rivera is on to his fourth straight losing season with the Commanders. So definitely time to do something different in Washington. No show on Saturday because we'll do like a best of show. So no, uh, no Saturday show. We'll do a best of. Let's do intakes and outtakes now, Zach. Don't want to miss out on those. What was your intake of this past week? Uh, All the people that doubted Sean Payton and doubted the Denver Broncos, uh, please stop doing that now because Sean Payton knows what he's doing. There's a reason he was a Super Bowl winning coach. There's a reason the Saints were one of the most consistent franchises in the NFL for the last decade. I mean, think of what the Saints were before Sean Payton got there. They won a grand total of one playoff game. They might have been the worst organization in the NFL, one of the worst in all professional sports. And Sean Payton, along with Drew Brees, yes, he was a big part of it. But Sean Payton still kept them competitive even after Drew Brees retired. We shouldn't have doubted that he was going to go to Denver, make this team good. Remember, they lost a lot of close games last year. As much as everybody clowned on the Broncos, they had seven games last year decided by seven points or less that they lost. So you just turn a couple of those around, which they've done this year. Now all of a sudden you're a playoff contending team. They've beaten the Chiefs. They've beaten the the Bills. They've now beaten Minnesota. It's a pretty good team. So there's nothing fluky about it. They've won four in a row. They're in the playoff hunt. This team has a chance. With the AFC being as wide open as it is, they've got a chance to make a run. And maybe Russell Wilson's career is getting turned around. Sean Payton, stop worrying about bucket hats and stop worrying about all that kind of stuff. This is a good team now. My intake is whoever said the Steelers' offense was unsustainable, you were definitely right. News came out today that offensive coordinator for the Steelers, Matt Canada, was finally fired. Steelers fans, fans of Pittsburgh, have been clamoring for it for a long, long time now. Christmas has come early for them. 
Steelers outgained every game this season. Kenny Pickett, terrible. Saw a stat out of 315 quarterbacks with over 500 passing attempts. Pickett is the only one who has thrown a touchdown on less than 2% of those passes. Steelers can't get first downs. Five to last in yards per game with 280 yards per, uh, yeah, 280 per game. And uh, fifth to last as well in points per game at 16.6. Second to last in the league with uh, passing yards. They're only above the Giants in that category. I do expect the Steelers to make a dramatic decline over the second half of this season. Zach, what was your outtake of the week? My outtake of the week, this would have been the perfect year for a 12-team college football playoff because you look at all the good teams. This is not a this is a year of parity. I mean, as, as far as the top teams are concerned, we've got five still undefeated teams in the Power Five. All four uh, conferences have an undefeated team outside of the Big 12. That's Texas right now with the one loss uh, in that instance. But think about the... T- playoff we could have this year with ohio state michigan georgia alabama texas florida state washington oregon there are so many good teams this year that four is not going to be enough to determine who the best team in college football is so i wish we would have gotten the 12 team playoff earlier because this year would have been the perfect year to have one there's a lot of years that 12 is too many because there aren't 12 teams worthy of playing for a national championship this year there's at least eight teams i think that are worthy of playing for a national championship and there may be even more and we could sprinkle in an upset here and upset there have a group of five team have a chance to get in so i i think this would have been the best year to have a 12 team playoff we already touched base on this a little bit already but my outtake is going to be the broncos uh whoever said the broncos were done um Many, many people, including myself, did say the Broncos were not going to make the playoffs this year. But now, going into next weekend, going to Thanksgiving weekend, odds to make the playoffs are plus 310, way higher than they were when they started the season, 1-5. in five. Broncos, like I said, now do find themselves on a four-game win streak. That is the longest active win streak in the NFL right now. Uh, defensive coordinator Vance Joseph has done an amazing job for the Broncos over that four-game winning streak, only allowing 17 points per game on their opponents. Russell uh, Russell Wilson has been playing the best, but definitely has been playing probably his best as a Bronco so far, you can say. Uh, putting up some good numbers, being very, very efficient with the ball. Four, 19 for four touchdown interception ratio. And like I said, the Broncos well on their way to potentially making the playoffs in the AFC. Let's move on. Awesome interview with Marla Rodenauer, uh, recurring guest, going to break down the Cleveland Browns this season. We've already touched base on them. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, game manager, all he has to be, defense, take care of the rest. We'll break down their season so far. Deshaun Watson struggles that they've had, of course, with him being out, what they do going forward to make that run in the playoffs. Awesome interview. She's a freelance writer for clevelandmagazine.com. And, uh, yeah, without further ado, we'll head, uh, head to Cleveland and get some insight on Cleveland Browns and maybe even some Cavaliers as the NBA tipped off a little bit ago. Okay, we now head to Cleveland and bring back on recurring guests, Marla Ridenauer from uh, the Cleveland Magazine freelance writer for the uh, Cleveland Magazine. Uh, Marla, how you doing? We had you on uh, a couple times now. This is the third time we've had you on. Uh, been a long time. I think it's been like maybe three or four months since the last time we had you on. Browns looking really good. Um, defense, best defense in the league. Obviously some quarterback questions. We'll get to that in a second as well. But I do want to start with them, and then we can get we can get into some Cavalier talk as well. Now that the NBA season is back on, but before then, uh, obviously Deshaun Watson out for the season. Dorian Thompson Robinson will be the quarterback going forward for the Browns. Start us off with this question: How legit can the Browns be as AFC contenders with Deshaun Watson out and with the defense uh, the way they're playing right now? 
Well, I am concerned about with, you know, the quarterback situation. Um, you're not going to be able to have that kind of a dink and dunk game plan against everyone you're playing the rest of the year. Um, I understand how you have to, if you're going with Dorian Thompson Robinson, you know, you're going to have to sort of bring him along slowly. So you are going to, you can't just, you know, throw the book at him. Mm -hmm. So I understand what Kevin Stefanski is doing. And I actually laud him for the way he's handled all this. I mean, it's been a, almost like a constant, will he or won't he play almost, you know, all season until you got the news last, last week about Watson's right. shoulder. So um, I still think they're going to the playoffs with this, with this team. Sure. Um, I don't know how far they can get with DTR. Um, I mean, it's possible he could be a quick learner. I mean, I, I keep telling everybody, I mean, this isn't your typical college quarterback. You played for five years. I mean, that's, it's, it's kind of a, <laughs> of course we gave mm -hmm. Brandon Whedon grief for being so old, but um, you know, like he is a little more of a seasoned college quarterback than someone you might, be thrown into the fire with. So the Browns at seven and three obviously have the the best chance to make the playoffs as the <clears throat> second place team in the division. How many wins do you think it takes for the Browns to clinch a playoff berth? Probably ten wins or eleven wins. I'd say ten for sure. Um, the AFC, if you're in the wild card mix, I mean, I don't know even know if is that going to be enough. Um, just the AFC is so strong and there's, you know, a lot, a lot of ways to go here. Um, but I do, I feel like they can get there now. I, I mean, especially like what I think is amazing about this team is I didn't think they had a prayer against San Francisco. I didn't, th you know, I mean, mm -hmm. I thought playing this game, even though it was at home with, you know, without Watson, the kind of the shock of all that, I wasn't giving them a huge chance to win this one either. So, I mean, they've proven that they can handle the pressure situations when they're going in somewhere when nobody thinks they have a chance. And I think that's because they've developed a strong bond in the locker room. They really, some of these team building things that Kevin Stefanski did like going to the Greenbrier, I think are paying off. So, mm -hmm. um, but I, I'd say it's going to be take a minimum of 10 wins. I know teams have gotten into the AFC. I mean, they've gotten in before in the playoffs with nine wins. I know I think the Dolphins did it last year. They were that one wild card team with nine wins that did go to the playoffs. Uh, AFC, about the same dynamic as they were last year. Maybe even a little bit worse than they were last year, AFC, uh, in terms of competition. But I do want to touch base just on their offensive woes for the, for the Browns. I mean, Dorian Thompson Robinson, like you said, definitely was a game – uh, he was a game manager for sure against the Steelers, but overall still only 13 points. And that, you know, that ended up being a last minute field goal to even win the game for the Browns. They always say defense wins championships, but how much are Browns fans actually agreeing with that settlement? I mean, you still need offense to make it deep into the playoffs and because they're going to have to outscore teams, you know, like dolphins, uh, the bills potentially as well. So if they even make the playoffs, but, what are the, I mean, what are the thoughts about just the offensive side of the ball? Because obviously the defense can only do so much. It still will be, you know, there still will definitely be shootouts to be expected when they make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think that the defense can, I mean, I, I'm still kind of my mind blown about how good they are. I mean, it's especially mm -hmm. with the improvements on the defensive line. Um, 
you know, the guys in the secondary have really grown. Um, but I don't see them going far in the playoffs with this kind of offense. I mean, that's why, you know, you could argue that they may need Flacco in the playoffs because you can't score 13 points in the playoffs. So, I mean, granted, this is, they're putting this in DTR's hands. I mean, it's up to him to prove that he can take them there, you know, they, but you can't, like I said, you can't that you can't let this go on the 13 point tangent forever. If you, um, you're supposed to be peaking at playoff time and that's possible. They can, um, uh, although, you know, I will admit that watching these games now, there's been a couple times when I'm like, if they don't get a pick six, I don't see them winning, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, and you can't really count on that. I mean, as good as their defense is, that's still, you know, that you can't, you can't right. rely on that to save you every time. So they're going to have to, but, you know, improve this offense. But I mean, you also have to take into consideration, I think people are really underestimating the, the, le- offensive tackle situation like i mean that plays a part with your quarterback and that's influenced the game plan that's why the running game is not you know obviously you don't have nick chubb but you know that's why you see so many of these runs up the middle for you know one or one yard at best um and the protection the it's affecting everything you know you had they don't have time to throw deep i mean you've got to find a way to get cooper the ball but i I do really think that that is a huge the tackle situation is a huge part of all that. Yeah. Browns only gained 58 yards the entire second half on six possessions against a rugged, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers defense. So the argument does kind of come into play. Did he play good or did the Steelers just play really bad? Now I think kind of are both, both are true. Defense obviously did shut down the Steelers, but the defense obviously didn't have a whole lot to go against with Steelers being the worst offense in the league. I do want to go back to uh, Flacco though. You you brought up, you brought up Flacco uh, just the you know just this past weekend. They did end up signing Flacco to the team. Joe Flacco was this a more um, safety blanket for injury to Dorian Thompson Robinson, or was this more of maybe not having as much faith in Thompson Robinson going down down the line? Well, I think they've already showed how much faith they have in him when you traded Josh Jobs. I mean, that could be the thing that we're talking about after the season if they don't get that far but no I I think the plan from everything I've heard and you know I agree with what everyone is reporting that the Browns intend for Dorian Thompson Robinson to be your quarterback and then Flacco would be just kind of your I mean you have to have three quarterbacks and Mm -hmm. PJ Walker has proven that you just can't trust the you know you know six turnovers I mean you can't can't keep keep that going so um but i i wouldn't rule out seeing flacco this season i really i mean this is almost taking me back to the last year of marty schottenheimer when i was like how could you fire marty schottenheimer he played three quarterbacks and got him to the playoffs you know like um i i do think we're gonna see flacco at some point i don't know if it's it just seems like it's and especially it's there's been so many injuries this season it just you know maybe fresh legs and young legs are a little better, but I, I do think it's possible that you're, you're going to see him at some point down, maybe not right away. I would say not for a couple of weeks, but we'll see. What would need to happen for Flacco to come in? Would it be a mid season or a mid game uh, transition? Or do you think they would give 
Dorian Thompson a whole game, despite how bad he might play uh, in one of one of the games coming down the stretch here? Like, what would it take for Flacco to actually have to be brought into the game? I would say a t- rash of turnovers in a game. Yeah. Um, but here's my thing with the Browns: of all the years I've covered them, I mean, they you you you're riding in the fine line of ruining this kid's confidence. You know, like you you know you're giving him another shot. You can't just I mean, I do feel like you have to be aware of, you know, what he, what's he surrounded with, you know, like is a old Joe Flacco going to be fair any better against behind these offensive tackles than Mm -hmm. DTR. I, I, so, I mean, like I said, I do, the Browns have always kind of made questionable moves about what they've surrounded their quarterbacks with on offense. I mean, especially at the very beginning of the expansion era, but I think that's been true for quite some time. So I don't yeah. think they want to ruin DTR because I do think they they obviously saw a lot that they liked or they wouldn't have let Dobbs go. I'm going to continue. I'm going to have you repeat yourself probably that you've had to repeat yourself many, many times over the years. But going back to the quarterback situation in Cleveland, just traded Dobbs beginning of the year. Now we see how he's playing in you know Minnesota right now. And then obviously – they gave Deshaun Watson that huge contract. I mean, probably one of the worst deals will go down in history in the NFL, uh, especially, you know, Brown's history you know, uh, as far as deals go. What is the settlement with the fans? I mean, as far as the front office, the coaching staff handling the QB situation, Deshaun Watson obviously hurt, was playing really well, I would say, actually, before he did get hurt. Those, those two games he was playing in, the game before and then the game he did, he got hurt in, he actually was playing very well in, but of course, has not lived up to his expectation with that contract. Are the I mean, what are the fans saying about this uh, quarterback situation going on in Cleveland? Are they ever gonna ever gonna figure it out? Ever gonna get you know get that one QB, that one guy that can really help them be that uh, legacy quarterback and be the guy going down the line? Well, you hope it's Watson, but I would argue that I don't think Watson played well at all until that last game. Mm-hmm. Um, I I because I. You were, you were certainly going to write off the end of last season because he was just getting reacclimated. Um, mm-hmm. But I I think he was a huge disappointment at the beginning of the season. And obviously then he's juggling an injury and all that that we didn't really realize how bad it was. But, I mean, in a sense, you, you were – it wasn't an, a, as dramatic a downgrade as you would think considering his con- – inconsistent performance this season, I guess what I would say. I mean, he hasn't obviously lived up to expectations and I'm with you. If this doesn't work out, this is a, the biggest disaster, you know, but I will, I, I tell all my friends and I will stick with this. I mean, this, I don't agree with the baggage you took on and every of, you know, the character issues with the Sean Watson but you were going to be a 500 team and you weren't going to get a high enough draft pick to get a franchise quarterback. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's not very many guys anymore who aren't drafted in the first round to become that kind of player. So I do feel like the Browns were kind of caught in this middle of the pack, no man's land that that's why they made this move. Um, I did hear something interesting the other day from a former Browns player who said he front orthopedics specialists that he's spoken to that people 
when you haven't played for 700 days, your body is not the same. I mean, you know, it's not as strong, you know, your bones are not as strong, you know, it's, it's, you know, like, so that kind of thing could be a factor and maybe why he's been so banged up this season. Um, Obviously the hit on the shoulder would seem to be just kind of a, that happened like kind of a freak thing, but um, I mean, you wonder after that long layoff, if he's going to be fighting the effects of that for the rest of his career. So um, I, but I don't, I think the fans that I speak to are, you know, like Mm -hmm. they've gotten past the Watson, the person part, and they just want to see the real, Watson that you saw playing against Ohio State in the playoffs. Are you surprised the Browns right now are third in the league in total rushing yards, given the fact that Nick Chubb did go out uh, first game of the season? Maybe so, but I mean, that's kind of the devaluation of the position. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. um, but I mean, I was thrilled that they brought back Kareem Hunt. I mean, I know he'd been off for quite you know a while, but I still feel like he's a little bit of the heart and soul of the Browns as far as his toughness and you know he's still got that huge desire to play for his hometown team I mean I I think he's sometimes he can give them a spark even if he's not ripping off you know 20 yard runs now I did do a story on Jerome Ford you know um around the time he was drafted about the it was right after the Browns picked him about how his Cincinnati coaches you know, said he was a home run hitter. I mean, you know, I do think he might bring a little bit. He's no Nick Chubb, but I think he might mm-hmm. have a little bit of that in him. I mean, we saw, we've seen a couple of big ones already this season. Yeah. So, and you don't generally think the committee thing works, but part of me thinks that I'm burned by that because of the Metcalf and Leroy Horde. It was like right. Metcalf up the middle and who are you playing? You know, like, it didn't work out so well back in the day with Bill Belichick, but uh, I mean, they have seemed to been, these guys seem to have found their roles, so to speak. And, um, but I also don't, I think the running game is, has kind of slipped a little bit in importance, but um, I guess I am surprised with that standing. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting that you bring it up in light of the recent, running back controversy when the season first started a lot of the argument was that you don't have to pay these high value running backs all this money because the next guy up can probably do just as much if not even a little bit less but you might pay him half as much so this is kind of that argument unfortunately for Nick Chubb going down first game of the season where you know he does go down but yet other people do step up they bring in other people and they're having just as much production if not more with Nick Chubb down and you know you you look at these teams that don't want to be paying these high you know, these high contracts for these running backs. And I think it's a good indication as to why you might want to hold off doing that. And maybe the GMs are right on how they view uh, view running backs going forward. Cleveland Browns, seventh to last in total passing yards per game, though. Only teams that are above, Giants, Steelers, Jets, Cardinals, Panthers, and Titans. Definitely not the cream of the crop. What do you see them doing in the off season to kind of help booster up that passing game? Given the fact that Deshaun Watson comes back healthy, he continues to play like he did uh, maybe in the game that before he got injured and he can kind of get back to his old self like he was when he was in Texas. I mean, just imagine what Amari Cooper would be doing if they really had an offense. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I really was not wild about this receiving core, even when we start, when they started the season. So I, I, and you know, the fact that you gave, you know, you 
traded people's Jones. You, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think they need, I, I don't have a lot of faith in Elijah Moore. I mean, I could kind of see why he's, you know, they got let go. I, I, I really do. Th- but I also think they need David Njoku looks like he should be the real deal, but I, I mean, I can't watch Ohio state without looking at that Stover kid and saying, that's who the Browns need. Mm-hmm. Um, Cade Stover, I think. I mean, I gotta, I gotta keep that straight because there was a, you know, a former kicker named Stover that played for the Browns. But no, but I, I really do think that's what they need. I, I, I don't see them since you don't have a first round pick, and maybe you won't be able to get, wouldn't be able to get him without one. I don't know how high he's gonna go, but I really do think they need a dynamic tight end. I just don't think Njoku is reliable enough to be the go-to guy because look i mean especially if you're Mm -hmm. when you're stuck in a dilemma like you are right now when you can't throw the ball deep um you need somebody that's going to catch everything yeah speaking of that you know speaking of the worst trade i was talking about with deshaun watson with the houston you know that trade with houston cleveland now has no first round pick this year coming up in the draft houston will be taking their first round pick the season ended right now. That would be the twenty fourth overall pick. They don't. They wouldn't pick again until fifty sixth in the draft. So it's it's going to be a tough off season. Do you feel and more like you know the fans as well? Give me the sentiment of the fans. How frustrated are they that this defense is getting just wasted, for lack of better words, based on you know this bad offense and kind of like wasting the potential of this defense to be able to take them long and far in the playoffs. I think the people are on the playoff train right now. I don't think they're, I'm the kind of person who's worried about the clock is ticking on the, the prime of miles Garrett, you know, but, mm-hmm. and you know, some yep. of these other guys, but I don't, I think the fans are, I mean, kind of riding the wave here just because of the improbability of these wins and these, these last second kicks you know, you're yep. just not used to all this happening. So, I mean, you're, you're kind of caught up in the, like I said, this is almost like destiny kind of a little bit. I mean, I, I won't say that if they lose in the first round of the playoffs, but you know, it's just, I think defense is not as much of a talking point to the, you know, to the people that I, I think they're more, they're very distressed about the office situation, but you also have to understand when your $230 million quarterback is injured, you know, you're mm-hmm. kind of in a rut. So, I mean, it's almost like they're overachieving despite having the best defense in the league. So, well, that being said, I mean, with Deshaun Watson going down, I mean, what is the realistic expectations from the fan base this year going into the, I mean, like you said, they most likely will make the playoffs. What, what's the, like, what's a successful season? Like what's the realistic expectation for the team uh, going down the line? Like if you get in it, you know, you never know who can get hot at the right time. I, who knows? I, I feel like they can win a playoff game. It depends on the matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean that, that like what I pointed out earlier about look how good they played against the best teams. Like when they played San Francisco, that was supposed to be the best team in the league. When they beat Baltimore, that was supposed to be the best team in the league. So anything can happen. And I just feel like if you get in it and maybe, you've developed a little bit of a rhythm on offense. Maybe it's not the kind of offense that Kevin Stefanski expected he was going to be running, but I still do think they have some weapons and, Mm -hmm. 
and I don't know. I just, sure. I think people are just enjoying this defense and not fretting about, oh my God, it's, you know, not going to be like this forever. No, it's <laughs> definitely a team that people don't want to face in the playoffs. I do want to touch base on the Cavaliers with you. I know you love the Cavaliers. You've been following the Cavaliers for a long time now. What do you think about the Cavaliers this year? I think they're going to be a top four team in the league. I think they were ex- expected to be a top four team in the, in the league going into this year. How do you feel they're matching up so far early into the season? And um, what, have, what is your overall expectations for the team uh, as we, you know, as we're about like 10 games into the NBA season here? Darius Garland and Jared Allen are my guys. I expect them to be a top four team too, but um, I do think it's taken a little while to get this kind of, you know, you're adding yeah. Struess, you're adding Niang, you're adding some pieces, you know, you've had guys hurt already. And I, I do think um, the goal has still got to be win a playoff series. Um, mm-hmm. And yep. until like the past like three games, I felt like nothing had changed on paper. Like they still didn't look tough enough. The bench still didn't look good enough. Their three-point shooting didn't look good enough. I mean, some of those things are still lurking in the background. Um, but now when you're seeing – guys like Porter and, you know, like you're getting some production off the bench. Dean Wade seems to me, maybe he's snapping out of it. So I, I mean, I really feel good about the fact that unless you have the wrong matchup, the, the two bigs are still a huge factor in how far this team can go. And if Donovan Mitchell, you know, lives up to, I mean, last season was, he was incredible. I mean, that's almost like a lot of pressure for him to repeat that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do feel like they have the pieces and I, you know, I have been especially impressed with Struess. He's a much better defensive player than I expected. So I think, you know, barring, you know, injury issues, I, I think they can be a top four team that be a successful season for the Cavaliers then would just be winning a playoff series series this year considering their you know their past history I do feel like that's almost like a must win kind of scenario Mm -hmm. (laughs) um I just feel like you Kobe Altman has talked about you know this runway that they're on and they're you know they're not he understands the steps they have to take but I don't think anybody expected that the how they were just going to get crushed against the Knicks. Although I have to stay, say Hartenstein is the one that was killing them, in my opinion. I mean, they don't, they, you know, Jared Allen isn't that kind of enforcer on a nightly basis to deal with a team like him and Randall. Um, but I do feel like that's what's expected in the in the organization and. I think they know they've got to be physically and mentally tougher to achieve that. I know you said they don't play with enough toughness. And I know I've heard that before with the Cavaliers as well, but you think in the last, you've said in the last three games, they really have showed differently. Like they've really came out with a lot more toughness. Recent wins they just had, I think they include the Nuggets, Pistons, Trailblazers. Nuggets was obviously a really good win the other night, but what else do you need to see from this team besides toughness? I know you mentioned the three-point shooting is getting a little bit back on a little bit back on pace, but I mean, anything like what else from the offensive side of the ball? Let's just start there. Do you have to really start seeing from this team to be more confident in making that playoff run? Well, Garland's got to cut down the turnovers. I, they, and I mean, I am a 
fanatic about free throw shooting that's been terrible in my opinion. Um, I don't know how it is statistically, but um, that's the kind of things. I mean, they need to pay attention to the details. It can't, you know, and that includes like don't don't make the obvious stupid, mm-hmm. you know, lazy pass or. Um, but like I said, I do feel like they're still getting to know each other mm-hmm. a little bit on offense. I mean, you've got the Struess to Mobley connection. You've got the Garland to Allen lob connection. You've got, but you, I still, you know, need to see like Garland and Mitchell operating together at a high level when they're on the court together, you know, like there's still things that they, that need to gel. Um, I really, you need more scoring from Mobley. Um, I mean, everyone is, ex- I mean, the expectation was that this was going to be a breakout season for Mobley offensively. And I haven't really, other than that first night, I haven't really seen that. Um, so but I, you know, I, I almost think he's better when he's dribbling coast to coast and then going in for the slam or whatever. I mean, old point guard back in the day. Um, no, there's a lot of there's a lot of room for growth on offense. I really, um, and definitely more consistent three point shooting as well. I know Donovan Mitchell. You already said it had a great season last year. Is there concern? I mean, you already mentioned it yourself. Is there concern about the fan base that he just can't keep that up this year, and that that might be a reason to expect maybe of a little bit of a decline in the Cavaliers this year going forward? No, I I think he's capable of. Of course, I'm a Louisville fan, so I'm biased, but I think he's capable of replicating that. The question is, how is he going to play in the playoffs? Because he put a lot of, took a lot of blame for mm-hmm. that thumping they took, and you know, he, you know, him being from New York, that made it even worse. You know, your all your friends and family and all your people are up there watching every your every move. So, um, no, I, I think he's those that sustainable. I, you know, he's a top fifteen player in the league for sure, and he could be higher than that. Has the kind of rumblings of him being unhappy at Cleveland gone to rest? I know, you know, he's been seen out in New York before. There's been a lot of speculation that he wants to go back to New York, Knicks, uh, Nets, whatever it may be. Has that kind of, have those rumblings been kind of put to rest? Have you really been hearing a lot of things from the local radio, you know, local writings? What have you been hearing? Is he happy in Cleveland? Or are you still kind of hearing the rumors of him, you know, looking, you know, looking uh, east to uh, to New York and maybe going back there someday. No, it could happen someday. But he tried to put that to rest on media day when he said, you know, listen, this isn't the right time for me to sign a contract extension. That's next mm-hmm. next year. So, but I do feel like this is somewhat important season in that regard to show him that you want to yeah. stay, that you have the pieces and you have the right coach and you have the right scheme and, you know, the whole um, – I mean, I'm sure he's going to always want to play for the Knicks in the garden sometime. I mean, but, yeah. you know, it doesn't, I don't know. Like I said, I feel like it's more up to the rest of the team to show him that, that you know, that they're capable of doing what he wants. I mean, I mean, like I said, I, I when that's kind of like your childhood dream or whatever you want to call it, that's probably never going to go away. So who knows if you'll see him in it playing there on a nightly basis before yeah. he retires. Are fans concerned about, I always mention it with NBA because there's no other sport. This is more, you know, this is more, uh, you see this the most in, 
are the fans kind of concerned with Cleveland getting into that purgatory zone of the NBA? Not good enough to get that top draft pick, but not bad enough, or not not bad enough to get that top draft pick. Excuse me, but not good enough to really make a a playoff run. Uh, you know, want you know once it once that time comes. Well, you're you're still hoping that Mobley is going to be that star, mm-hmm. um, that unicorn that they all were calling him a unicorn. You know, like from day one mm-hmm. almost. Uh, I mean. The one thing I will say about the NBA is it's less driven by the draft than almost any sport I've ever covered. Um, I mean, unless you got like the top one of the top three picks, it's not like, and even then, I mean, Kate Cunningham really hasn't moved the needle for the Pistons. Um, you know, like, no, I'm just saying that it's, I think it's more predicated on trades and, you know, Kobe Altman's been pretty good in injecting the Cavs into the mix when there's a trade out there. So I feel like, yeah, they're not going to be in the position to get a Chet Holmgren, I don't think, if the everything goes according to plan. But I, or, you know, Webb and I, I mean, those, like I said, but you've hopefully gotten what you needed already in that regard. And if you, you know, so... We'll have to see how they can develop these these young guys. Yeah, let's talk about that. So you just kind of mentioned it yourself a little bit. You know, say they are well into playoff contention, you know, fourth uh, fourth place in the East and above. Do you see the team actually making a trade? Uh, I know this is way in advance. We're not even close to being there yet. I don't want to have you put on a speculation hat, but do you see the Cavaliers making a trade to kind of go all in for a, for a playoff run? Uh, this uh, this year and if so if so have you heard any potential names that they might be interested in going after at that time no that would surprise me but like I said Kobe's good at sort of injecting himself as the third team and some of these deals but I don't they're trying to stay out of you know luxury tax you know for a while so I, I really don't see that I think they think they're confident in what they have now, especially with what they did in the off season. Um, so no, I can't really see. And I don't even know like what I can't even see anything that they would consider trade. I can't see what they would trade um, to, to get back the, the value that you're talking about. That's somebody that could put you over the top. I don't think that's, I don't think they have the ammunition for that. Yeah, trade deadline, February 8th. We have a long, long time for that. I know, and like you said, we don't even know who they would really trade and what they would really get. But that's a, we have a, what is that, at least three more months at this point to we have to start worrying about that, or at least two and a half more months, I should say, at this point. So got a long, long way for that to happen. Well, Marla, this has been awesome. I really appreciate it again, once again, third time on. Always, always awesome having you on. Always fun talking with you and We'll definitely have to do it again sometime, break down the Browns, hopefully to get to the playoffs, and maybe even later in the season. Let's see how uh, the Cavaliers are doing. Maybe we can touch base uh, end of the NBA season and seeing how the Cavs are doing as we head into the playoffs. Sounds good. It's always good to talk to you. Um, wish everybody a happy holidays. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Marla. We'll be in touch. Okay. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Okay, let's finish up with Off the Map and Long Hauls of the Week. Zach, I'll start us off with Off the Map of the Week. I'm going to go with Justin Fields. Already kind of touched base on it. Justin Fields played really, really well this past Sunday. Despite despite the Bears being terrible and losing on Sunday, he played extremely, extremely well. 
16 for 23, 169 yards in the air, but he carried the ball 18 times for over 100 yards, 104 yards on the game. He became only the third QB in history with five-plus 100-yard rushing games, joining Lamar Jackson and Michael Vick. Yeah, I mean, maybe the Bears don't get a QB QB this year in the draft. Uh, they, I know that's been a hot contention, what the Bears do with their uh, you know, first-round draft picks they have coming up this year. Fields can keep playing the way he did this past Sunday. Bears might be able to consider getting uh, you know, a more uh, better offensive piece, a more, you know, uh, offensive piece that they need for for the for the Browns off or for the Bears offense. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, good for Justin Fields. He's my off the map of the week. Zach, what was your off the map of the week? It's going to be the Carolina Panthers. Are they going to think about drafting a quarterback? Because Bryce Young has not really been all that great so far this year. He struggled uh, last yesterday through a pick six. Deron Bland had a, his fourth pick six of the season, which ties an NFL record pretty good in, in his own right. And Will Carolina even think about Caleb Williams? Will they think about Drake May? Will they think about whoever, you know, being the quarterback next year? Are they going to go all in on Bryce Young? It's happened before. Remember back in 2018, the Cardinals picked uh, Josh Rosen as a starting quarterback, and then the next year they picked Kyler Murray number one overall. So it's not unprecedented for a team to pick quarterbacks back-to-back years. Will the Panthers be in that mix? Oh, wait, never mind. This is not even a part of it because the Bears will have that pick. So the Panthers kind of screwed with Bryce Young, perhaps, mm-hmm. you know, not playing all that well. And if you're the Bears right now, you're sitting pretty because you're probably going to have two top five picks next year. So the Bears off the map. Yeah, no. Uh, and I, I do want to ask, ask you as well, because speaking of, I meant to ask this earlier, actually, with Pe- Kenny Pickett, and you kind of just alluded to it with getting a quarterback. Because I know, obviously, the Steelers just drafted Kenny Pickett. It's not going to be back-to-back years, but do you think there's any chance that the Steelers, you know, going back to the Steelers and how bad they've been playing on offense, do you think there's any chance they might look for a quarterback next year uh, either free agency or in the draft yeah I would uh I would think that they were definitely going to think about a quarterback the problem is the Steelers won too many games to get one of the elite quarterbacks and we'll see if they maybe trade up or what happens to fall their way in the uh the middle of the first round so if you're the Steelers I, I think we've seen enough of Kenny Pickett I think we we've seen enough to know that he's not the guy and I yep. know Matt Canada is not a great offensive coordinator but you've still got George Pickens you've got a good running game with Jalen Warren and Najee Harris Deontay Johnson's a solid receiver. You have enough pieces in place that if you're truly an elite quarterback or a really good quarterback, you can figure out a way to make it work. We've seen Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, all these great quarterbacks overcome average offensive coordinators, overcome you know receiving cores that aren't that great. Kenny Pickett's not on that level. Any chance they might go with the Dobbs? <laughs> uh, well, they might try and get him back because remember he was in Pittsburgh for quite a while as mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger's backup, so... Maybe they try and go swing a trade and get him back. I don't know. Already knows the area a little bit. Long haul. I'm going to go with Brandon Staley for my long haul of the week. Um, kind of already touched on it, too, uh, earlier on the show. Brandon Staley being asked after the game, after his bad loss this past Sunday, um, about you know changing up the team, changing up the play calling, especially on the defensive side of the ball. He got very, very defensive with the reporter and – you know, asking him to stop asking the question. He's tired of hearing the question, but uh, when you're as bad as you're playing, and especially on the defense side of the ball, like I said, where the Chargers are supposed to be good because Brandon Staley, let's not forget, is a defensive-minded coach. Uh, he, you know, that's his that's his calling card is the defensive side of the ball, and they've been absolutely terrible. Justin Herbert, awesome, playing amazing, but his offense is not playing up to snuff, having really bad play calling schemes in general not getting the job done. Can't be getting defensive about, you know, reporters asking him questions over and over because, you know, he's on, he's 
his job security is definitely not very high right now, and I think he knows it. Zach, what is your long haul of the week? Finish us off. Yeah, I'm interested to see how this Black Friday game works because we talked about having a Black Friday NFL game for years and years, and I thought it would be a perfect time to do it because I know everybody loves Thanksgiving, but what do we want to do the next day? Absolutely Mm -hmm. nothing. People are still sitting around watching football. College football has gotten a foothold of that day, and usually Black Friday college football games get pretty good ratings. I think we're going to see similar things with this game, even though it's the Dolphins and the Jets. You know, you've got to talk about two opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to offense. The Dolphins' offense is maybe the best in the league, and the Jets' offense is offensive to watch. But I still think this is going to be a, a solid game, and I want to see if this becomes a yearly tradition. I suspect it will be because the NFL is taking over just about everything. They're taking over; they've already taken over Thanksgiving. They're going to take over Christmas. That's already happened over the last couple of years. Uh-huh. And I think Black Friday is going to be the next holiday that they take full control of. So I think this is going to be a yearly tradition. I'm interested to see how this carries on forward and what kind of matchups we get on Black Friday because I suspect we're going to get some pretty good games. That is a big day for college football, like you said, but I'm looking at the schedule now. They did actually kind of do it rather strategically. I mean, Friday, college matchups, you're going to have TCU at Oklahoma. That might be the best game in the early slate. I mean, Iowa and Nebraska will be kind of a snoozer. Oregon, Oregon State is going to be really good in Brown Town. My point is, though, that's going to be the game. NFL will be done yeah. by then. So NFL game is at 3 on Friday. And uh, the Oregon, Oregon State game, of course, is at 8.30 yep. Eastern on, on Friday. So, yeah, no, they definitely would. I, I would hope they would not um, schedule Oregon, Oregon State at the same time as NFL. And that's why I had to check the schedule because I'm, I'm pretty sure they were not going to be that stupid they to do not. that. But, no, that'd be that'd be great. Get some NFL and then go straight into an awesome college yeah. game as well. So you don't get the yeah, crossover. It's gonna be too often. it's gonna be really fun. Awesome show. We'll do this again on Thursday. Probably probably we'll release on Thursday, early Thursday for Thanksgiving. We'll break down all of college football uh, preview this past weekend. We'll you know get into next weekend as well, um, and just kind of get you get you on the way for uh, Thanksgiving and uh, the college slate coming up. You know that weekend, but until then, we'll do it all again on Thursday and keep on traveling.